Hello and welcome to Let's Talk SOC, a podcast series brought to you by SecureWorks, a leader in cybersecurity, focused on empowering security and IT teams worldwide to better prevent, detect and respond to cyber threats. I'm Professor Sally Eves, your host. Hi, everyone, and a warm welcome to Let's Talk Slot with me, your host, Sally Eves. Today, we're diving into all things AI. Everyone's talking about it, such a rapidly evolving field, so many different applications, but also challenges in the domain of cybersecurity. In this episode, we're talking to Chris Burham, Global Field CISO at SecureWorks Partner Sentinel One, and also Terry McGraw from SecureWorks itself. We're looking at the unique perspectives on how security analysts and benefit from AI and how to leverage the opportunities across different areas of cybersecurity defense, detecting advanced threats, and also proactivity, particularly around incident response. So let's get straight into it. First of all, let's get to know a bit more about the people behind the tech, as I like to phrase it. Firstly, Chris, a warm welcome. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role at Sensor One. Thank you so much for inviting me to this presentation uh, and webinar. I love being invited to these. This is what I live for at this moment. Uh, my name is Chris. Um, I, I've been in the cybersecurity space for, shoot, it feels almost like 20 years now. Uh, what I do here at Sentinel One is I'm a global field CISO. Uh, the easiest way to say it is I do everything but HR at Sentinel One. I work on engineering, marketing, um, sales. Uh, it, it could be RubNAP, M&A, just name it. I'm part of it in some form or fashion uh, as a consultant or advisor in a lot of ways. So um, it, again, uh, AI is a huge concept for our organization, just like it is for SecureWorks, and I'm excited to be here. Oh, I love that. Fantastic. Love that depth and diversity of experience. It's so relevant to this field, isn't it? Brilliant, Chris. Love that. Thank you. And Terry, I know we've had the pleasure of speaking before, but again, just a little bit more about yourself and your background, if I may. Sure, no problem. Uh, Terry McGraw, I'm the Vice President of Global Cyber Threat Analysis here. So uh, our counter threat unit does a lot of the deep research. Our incident response engagement does a, a lot of, of, of trade craft enumeration from the incident response engagements. And so my role here is really, how do we pragmatically apply what we're learning from our research and incident response groups, uh, and then helping our customer base employ that um, in their environment. So I do uh, a, lot of, a lot of that um, work, as well as evangelizing for the company. So I do a lot of these uh, podcast webinars as well. I love doing these things. Fantastic. I love that. I love the fact that education, you know, technology always say goes hand in hand and absolutely spot on. I think in this area, more than other, not just the speed and kind of scale of change around AI, but again, awareness really matters. I think, you know, at the moment, if you looked on the news, for example, about generative AI, possibly only chat GPT is pretty much in the house, but so many different flavors, aren't there? So again, awareness really, really matters. I think in this field in particular, you know, AI can be kind of regarded as a juxtaposition, you know, in one way, it be weaponized in terms of an attack vector, but equally, it can be the very best asset to work with us through AI automation um, to develop expertise for areas around, for example, normally detection and malware analysis, threat intelligence. We could go on. So I wonder if we could kind of set the seed as our starter about some of the most common and effective techniques and tools that we can use here for the automation of cybersecurity to help build that collective defense. So I wonder if we could start with there and perhaps actually, um, Terry, if I start with you on this one, how are you seeing this and perhaps in terms of real world examples of applications of AI? AI and automation. Yeah, so I mean, the, the reality is, although AI is is now very much in the consciousness of of the general public, it's not like this is a new field. Um, in fact, the first um, supervised machine learning module modules went into you know, full effect here at Securus in two thousand and eight, um, and it it really is about the marriage of data science um, and its its application 
across across work functions. So if you look back in 2008, when we were rolling out our, our machine learning modules, uh, it was largely around filtering. Um, you know, we're like right now, Tage's platform processes 4 trillion events a week across our customer base. Humans will never be able to scale that direction. So, so using these models, um, at first it was very much about removing noise. Um, and now as we've gotten better and the models have gotten more sophisticated and, and we now have uh, better ways to apply it, it really is about threat detection now. So it's not just noise reduction, it's noise reduction and, and threat detection. And so, um, so that's the, the portions of calling the data science. And then there's the, the SOC applications, if you will. How do, how do we upskill people using the capabilities of not only machine learning, but in the generative AI or the, or the large language models using natural language to query data? Um, and so you can help upskill the less technical um, as they are employing these tools. But uh, it also allows your, your team to be uh, more creative in the questions they ask of the data. Love that. And I think with the diversity we're seeing in different types of threats as well, again, that diversity that you were talking about there really supports that as well. So I love that. And again, love the focus on education and upskilling there as well. Um, Chris, I'd love to get your take here. What are you seeing most until terms of really these real world applications? Again, I'd love to focus on that area. Yeah, um, I agree completely with Terry. I mean, the, the, my favorite terminology I've been using recently is a force multiplier for individuals. That's what this is. Like, it's it's not replacing jobs. And I, I, I hate when people bring that up. Like, okay, this looks like it's doing what I'm doing. It's not, actually, it's, it's not smart enough to do it by itself, but it is smart enough to be guided to do a lot of things to enable you. It's like having the right tool when working on a car. If you have the wrong tool, it could take hours. If you have the right tool, it could take five minutes. This is going to enable security professionals to be extremely efficient at what they're doing, not just security professionals, people around the world. And we can talk about that later. I think that's a question we may get into. But the main thing is um, it, it is going to be a transformative. And it has been for years. And that's the thing I would get if you can get out of this webinar. Like it's been there. I mean, we've been using a, a, a layman's term of it, just like SecureWorks for years. And now it's becoming uh, cognizant of a massive scale that everyone's seen it and touching it. So it's just becoming more and more powerful. The smarter we get, the more hardware we get. It's just it, you're seeing it more in the user space than the back end side, I would say. I couldn't agree more. And also in areas, for example, like reducing load. Love what you were talking about there. Both of you really almost that marriage of complementary strengths, but it really is, isn't it? And I think if you look at some of the reasons for, for churn, I mean, ops at the moment around security, some of that is around this overload, isn't it? So many different kind of pressures coming to load. And with this use of AI, it can really actually support that. So again, one way of reducing churn as well, which leads us into, you kind of set me up really nicely there, Chris. Thank you. Really looking at the skills gap that we're seeing in cybersecurity. Also other areas in tech as well. I think things like, you know, testing, I would say, architecture right up there as well. But we know this gap is growing. I think some of the initiatives that have been used to help support kind of addressing this gap COVID and other things a little bit kind of we'd lost a little bit of the weight with some of those but again we're seeing a lot of kind of coming together around this right now and I love that particularly on secure works hackers are I think a great example of reaching out there and addressing some of these skills gaps and kind of changing the narrative of what these careers look like so with all that kind of setting the scene what would you say in terms of how we can use technology to help address this challenge specifically? I'd love to bring to the fore what both Sentinel One and SecureWorks are doing to help address this gap, but also the use of AI and automation around this too, and building that in. So actually, if I can go to you, Chris, first on that one. Imagine this perspective. Right now, you're a security professional. You are overwhelmed with, I'm going to be nice, like 50 different tools that you have to understand and know, and you have to manage and regurgitate that information and connect the dots. 
learning language models and AI capabilities is going to help bridge that for you quicker. So what it's going to do is compile all this information and streamline it to say, hey, did you realize this? We've actually done studies ourselves internally and shown like here's analysts and here's learning language models. There's some things analysts caught that learning language models didn't. And actually some things vice versa, uh, learning language model was able to say like, actually that was not a real incident. And this was how we justified it. So there's a lot of value of like producing that 99 percentile versus you're hoping you're doing the right thing based on this, the context clues you can as quickly as possible i mean you hear about alert fatigue skill shortages you hear about all these things it's it's a real thing i even met with uh, the dod earlier this year uh, we we're doing a legal event and the only i asked him like what can you tell everyone here the, the only thing he gave advice is empower our younger generation to be security professionals and i was like Wow, that's amazing. That's that's his advice to everyone here uh, because it was a public recording that we were doing. So it's just, it's this is going to help bridge that gap. But at the same time, we still need to enable all of our organizations to be more cybersecurity focused and it's never going to end. Uh, I don't see it ever ending in my lifetime. Uh, not yet anyways. So Absolutely. I think the diversity you mentioned there in terms of kind of the dynamicness of the space and so much change here, actually kind of turning that around, what a place to be, you know, in terms of kind of changing the narrative of, and also what skills make a difference for that too. Again, not just about the coding and the technology, but about the narrative, the data storytelling, getting that buy-in, so many skills make a difference. So again, such an area to focus on. So I love that. And again, if we get time, perhaps we can come back to that a bit later as well. But Terry, let me bring you in on this. I know we spoke about this before, so I love your take there from a secure works perspective and a personal one too. Yeah, so I, I think it it will help in different levels. In the the current SOC model, <clears throat> a lot of what an analyst is forced to do because of not only the disparate tool systems and you know that they don't always share the same view of the problem set is a lot of the, the the analysts are just data gathering. Like the fun part is not is not data gathering. The fun part is figuring out what the bad guy's doing. And so you know, they, but unfortunately, the way the workloads work right now is. You know, they, they spend most of their time just gathering data to make a good decision. Um, so I think these models will help bridge that gap, as, as Chris already said. It will let people get out of the drudgery of that data gathering and then start to actually figure out what happened. I think as long as there's a human in the loop as an adversary, there will need to be a human on the other side. I, I always say that the answers are only important if you know what questions to ask. That's right. Um, and so you, you build a lot of data, you build massive amounts of, you know, data lakes, data oceans, you know, all these giant repositories, we can call that. But if you don't know what badness looks like, what does the model learn from right now? And the, the model has to always be continually pruned and updated. The inverse of this is also pretty interesting. Like when chat GPT started to do, you know, when it first rolled out, had like a, what, a 99.8% concurrence in math modeling. Now it's like 7%, I mean, some ridiculously low number because it's learning from a lot of people who don't know what the heck they're doing, right? So, the, so you know, that is a, a danger. So part of this is it's, it's bringing the capability, but marrying it with the skills that, that make it meaningful. And that's what Chris was really getting after is that you have the ability to upskill, you know, so you're tier one and tier two, but you also empower the people who really know what to go look for uh, to be able to do this in a much broader, faster scale. So I think it, it helps on, on many, many levels. But, you, you know, you also have to make sure that the model you're using is accurate and appropriate to what you're using it for, right? It's This is not a panacea. Um, and you, you always have to check and verify and 
Uh, I think if AI ever gets to the point where it's doing everything for humans, you know, the Terminator's coming back and, you know, looking for Sarah Connor. I mean, so at the, at the end of the day, the, I, I think Chris is right. There, there's, there's a lot of potential to liberate humans with this capability. I couldn't agree more. I was, I was back there for, for a second. In your business studies, you, you study like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, don't you? You have that triangle, the different layers you have to achieve. And I, I kind of map that sometimes to cybersecurity. But I was thinking of that as you were talking there in the fact that through this use of technology, it's enabling you know, individuals in the SOC to kind of go higher and higher in terms of having that time, that opportunity to, to get more granular with context and to use their expertise to look at the anomaly to, and to, to really kind of, it's the opportunity cost that's reversed, isn't it? You know, what, what are we missing at the moment when we're not using this combination? Uh, so I think, again, I always kind of reverse the narrative. It's not the cost of security. In this case, it's the cost of insecurity. So I love the fact we're bringing together that holism and kind of complementary strengths of, of AI automation and our experts in the SOC and beyond. So I love that. And on that note as well, again, kind of brought this to the fore really naturally, but again, we hear a lot of, quite understandably, um, resistance to change, you know, it's a big human, human kind of trait, isn't it? And there's a lot of fear. You mentioned there, Terry, about Terminator, and sometimes we see that language, don't we, around technology, around AI in particular. So that fear of human displacement. Now, I like to turn it around and say, no, this is workforce augmentation. I think our examples there kind of reflect that. So on that note, that people are hearing about this all the time, what would your top advice be to security analysts right now, you know, who might be listening in to this episode um, today or in the future? What would be your top tips to how to manage this and how to think of this perhaps differently? Um, and perhaps Chris first on this one. I would say there's a lot of conversation around this space right now. Um, first off, everyone has this fear of the unknown, and I, I, I understand completely. I mean, you want to go in there, usually you are a creature of habit. That's what I would say. Learning language models is not the creature of habit. It's actually breaking out of your comfort zone in order to get more comfortable with it and then understand it. it like Terry mentioned, if you ask the right questions, you get the right responses typically. If you ask poor questions, it keeps getting worse and worse as you keep going. You're like, what's going on here? It's learning based on you, unfortunately. Um, the cool part about it, though, is it could really enable someone to be the most powerful they've ever been in their life in a way. Uh, I mean, you can ask it questions about how does this correlate with illegal operations and that's something for me to be concerned about. Typically, a cybersecurity professional would ask, like, should I reach out to someone? What if you had all your policies and regulations right there and it could answer it for you quickly and you can be more responsive and know what to do? That's something that is very powerful, just in that simple example. Um, as for the maturity and where things are going, it will change. Uh, there's actually, I, I guarantee it's going to change. Um, the problem is, is now you'll see each administration across the globe fighting against this and how they should regulate it. I think Biden administration just started getting into it more so recently than they have been. Um, EU has been all over it since the beginning. They're op they're hitting on open source and AI as one of the top uh, concerns at this moment. So I would say just be aware that the people around the world that are help regulating and um, making sure that we're doing the right things is already doing that. You will see maturity of organizations even. Like I, I love using Sentinel-1 as an example. I, I'm sure SecureWorks is great as well. But for example, our agents, all the modules and everything that's doing AI is locally. So it's not talking home and doing other things. And it's all in that single agent. It's more secure. It's it's not doing these awkward things that you don't understand because it's contained and it's doing the, the right thing from a maturity perspective where other tools may not do that. And you're like, why is this AI tool touching things it shouldn't be doing? And then it makes that concern, right? So challenge the AI maturity of the product that you're leveraging. Some are not as regulated as others. So I, that's what I would say is use, use the knowledge you know when you're evaluating and make sure it's meeting your safety standards and your risk until there's more of a compliance and regulations in place. And I, I know there will be here. It might be a few years, but it's definitely in the pipeline for sure. 
really interesting. Love that. We literally just had the AI safety summit in the UK as well. So again, lots of things reflect. You're absolutely on point. Couldn't agree more. Terry, your take on this one. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, there have been several times in human history where where entire industries were 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 changed either by a technology uh, or or a policy, for example. So you know, the whaling industry went away overnight. Um, the wagon wheel makers went away when you know Henry Ford came along with the you know the 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 horseless carriage. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, this is now the, the, there's a reason the public consciousness is around this. This is one of those transformative technologies that we can either embrace and learn to to maximize its capabilities for the benefit of humans, um, or you can be left behind. Um, and I think it's it's really it's really how do we use these capabilities for betterment? Because there's always going to be someone using technology in an evil way. Um, and, and the good point to this one is we're, we're seeing the, the dwell times of adversaries uh, once they're in an environment collapsing. You know, when I was giving these talks in 2015, the dwell time was 270 days. Um, in our data from SecureWorks from last year for all of the incident response engagements we did, it's collapsed down to 24 hours which means you have no time to be brilliant to the basics. You need to have that incorporated. The threat actors don't care if they break your environment with badly crafted AI uh, or you know generated software. Um, but we as defenders have to be very deliberate, like Chris just said, about what we introduce into our environment. Um, but, but what that means for us as professionals is how do we leverage this correctly, but how do we leverage it quickly to the best effect? It is a force multiplier but your adversaries are already using it. Um, and, and, uh, and of course there are capabilities like, you know, Artagis platform and like the Sentinel one, uh, capabilities that are also leveraging it, uh, and leveraging it to, to a high degree of fidelity. Um, and so again, our, the responsibility is not to be left behind. We don't want to be the wagon wheel makers. Um, we want to see that there's a new technology out there, but as I say, as individuals, now you have to reevaluate what am I learning and what do I need to learn? in this new enabled uh, future, um, because if you continually you know, look to what you've always done, you will be left to the sidelines of history. Such, a, such an interesting point. And I think another reflection on that is actually the use of AI to help with that continual learning as well. So for example, around you know, learning style techniques as well as supporting with that, because I think one of the biggest difference makers here for organizations is more personalization of training along some of the transitions we're talking about here as well. So I'm seeing some real good progress in that particular area too. And what you were talking about there in terms of kind of the threat actor kind of evolution in many different ways, that was ringing through my ears too in terms of another aspect that we're seeing in terms of bad actor collaboration. So it's not just the diversification of the threat, the sophistication, the scale, different sectors being particularly affected at the moment. Energy would be an example of that as well, where kind of we're getting hybrid physical and digital threats too. But we're actually having the bad guys collaborating more. So we've got kind of ecosystems coming together of bad actors and the you know, price of entry has gone down in many ways too, but they're kind of reimagining older threats, looking at old kind of telecom protocols as well. So if all this bad actor kind of collaboration going on as well, kind of brings to the fore even more strongly um, let alone the AI ethics that obviously we were talking about earlier too, coming together matters. So I'd love to kind of end it on that particular note if we can about you know, how do we do this? How do we come together better as an ecosystem to combat kind of this, this collaboration we're seeing from bad actors? Because obviously different levels here, I mean, systems, state infrastructure, individuals, organisations of different sizes. So what can we do better there to, to kind of come together really? Um, Terry, if I could start with you. Yeah, I mean, not not in the realm of technology, but even uh, politically, 
Um, I think the world has been very slow uh, or at least misguided in the regulation. Um, at the end of the day, I do think that having having some transparency around the maturity that, that uh, corporations have well, in the United States, the SEC is trying to to use the the public trust or increase the public trust by putting more transparency goals in, in place over corporate environments. So I, I think that the reality is the adversaries have a have a market driven economy that they've leveraged and be able to expand, you know, between software developers and initial access brokers and affiliate models. Um, and it, it, it now is a, a, a near peer competitor, your business for all intents and purposes. And so I think that we have always looked at, you know, our corporate responsibilities in segment, we, we want to be very careful about litigation. And so we're very, very contained. I think that the, the one of the fastest ways around that is to partner with, with I, and I'm not doing a sales pitch here, not really, but I mean, SecureX has 4,000 some odd customers across the world. Sentinel One's got thousands of customers. That aggregate view of adversary trade graft and the ability to apply it globally, I think that those kind of capabilities, you, you can't do this in a vacuum. You can't do it by yourself. You, you'll never have the aperture on what's changing in the threat environment without that kind of collective view. Uh, and so making sure that you're, you have a security partner to help you get to, to secure your goals uh, and, and provide that mechanism for, for collaboration and uplift of knowledge. I think it's, it's really, really important. So I think we'll see some political changes because it's been slow to get there. Um, I think the technology is already here and it'll continue to be refined. And then I think we as professionals have to figure out how to employ it to the best effect. Very well said. Brilliant stuff. Thank you. And in, in that spirit, again, of partnership, Chris, if I could go over to you for a final thought as well, again, about that power of partnership and coming together. You brought up cyber criminals. I mean, they are already le leveraging AI. We've actually proven it. We have a team internally that does help um, and does an analyst for threat actors, and we can actually prove it. So we've actually justified that recently. There's a recent blog that we talked about it. But I would say how organizations can combat against these cyber actors. Now, it's it's interesting. Like originally, from the landscape perspective, it used to be. I, I love using the the visual of a, a castle. Most organizations were castles, right? They had their firewall, their turrets, they had everything around protecting themselves. But unfortunately, how we've transformed, we've gone cloud, we've gone hybrid, we've gone multiple data colo centers, we've uh, expanded toward containers and other things that we're unfamiliar with and all these software as a services solutions. So now we have all these villages and little towns and that we have to protect all of them, not just the castle anymore. Um, and what that's really transforming is you can look at how cybersecurity companies uh, are now evaluating. They're not just saying, here's endpoint protection platform. We're actually offering identity security. We're offering endpoint protection platform. We're mobile security, uh, data lake security. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. Look at how cybersecurity companies are transforming themselves to fight against threat actors today. You can't just be a single solution or you're going to be struggling. You have to be part of this ecosystem and then work together like a secure works and a Sentinel one, for example, to fight against these threat actors, to be the most effective and efficient as possible. That's why you see this happening and transforming. We aren't just saying we need more business, we're looking at this is what's needed to be fully secure. You can be great. You can meet security standards. You can hit your insurance and requirements. That's great. But there's more out there. And that's why these other products keep expanding. And that's there's something going on. And these ecosystems are consolidating them into a solution to help enable you as a security professional. So that's what I would say is if you want to see how complicated things are getting, look at the top cybersecurity leaders in the market and what their expansion isn't going into. There's usually a reason because people are needing it and people want to uh, need it for their own cybersecurity initiatives themselves. 
Fantastic, Chris. I love that. Brilliant way to end it. I love bringing examples to the fore. And you, you brought that to life. Lovely, lovely way with that castle analogy. But also looking at how companies are diversifying themselves who are leaders in this space. Again, much to reflect on there, isn't it? Brilliant. I love what you mentioned about identity as well, because I think that's kind of very much the new frontier around digital transformation at the moment. So I think you're absolutely spot on in identifying that to the fore. Brilliant stuff. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. So that brings us, I think we're out of time for another episode of Let's Talk Salt. And I think for me, I like to talk in pillars. So three things I think would be coming to the fore for me. One would be about education. I think this culture of continuous learning is absolutely something to invest in. Leveraging AI-driven solutions, we've seen the benefits there about that complementing of, of human strengths. You know, we need that coming together and let's embrace innovation through the collaboration and collective intelligence of the cybersecurity ecosystem. Power of partnerships with four with Central One Secure Works, I think a great example of exactly that. Chris, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Sally. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you, Sally. Let's Talk SOC is a podcast series brought to you by SecureWorks, a leader in cybersecurity, helping organizations reduce their risk, maximize their existing security investments, and fill their talent gaps. With their cloud-native security analytics platform, Tagus, they offer MDR and XDR solutions for better threat prevention, detection, and response. To learn more, visit secureworks.com.